and welcome back to Future Prairie Radio. I'm your host, Joni Whitworth. I work with artists and activists inspired by the future, and on this podcast, we'll be sharing futurist perspectives from dancers, entrepreneurs, designers, filmmakers, musicians, policymakers, writers, and more. Come with me to explore the culture of the future and hear the latest news from the front lines of art, science, and technology. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 2, Equitable Ride Sharing with Eric Johnson. I see a future where it's not necessarily a private enterprise that is how people discover ways to collaboratively commute. I see an opportunity for cities to provide mechanisms for people to connect with each other and form carpools and get to where they want to go at a lower cost and maybe in a more human way. One of the questions I love to ask people when I talk to them about the future is how they will know when the future has arrived. Will there be a certain marker or object or system that will indicate to them that we've really made it? A frequent refrain is about flying cars. So once we have flying cars, I know it will feel like it's officially the future. <laughs> We're not going to talk about flying cars in today's show, but I can promise you that's in the pipeline for a future episode. I do find it interesting that transportation and mobility make up so much of our fantasy of futurism. We dream about better ways of getting around, I think in part because we want to spend our time more prudently. We're looking for ways to spend less of our hard-won free time in traffic. And if we are going to be in traffic, we hope to find ways of being more productive, happy, or engaged while we're in there, waiting to arrive at our next destination. For me, the future often feels like a destination. It has an elsewhere-ness. It's the promise of going somewhere, working towards something, keeping ourselves in motion, hanging on to a hope that it gets better. And one of the industrial shakeups that's changed how we look at making our systems better in the transportation space has been the advent of the sharing economy and the resultant shift away from car ownership to ride sharing. In the United States, we know that low-income citizens, minorities, teens, people with disabilities, and older adults typically have longer commutes and higher transportation costs. Sharing is seen as a potential solution to this inequity. Our best regional planners, policymakers, and nonprofits are looking for ways to ensure that all their citizens can affordably access housing, jobs, healthcare, childcare, and other essential services. Part of this depends on our support for the investment in production of equitable transportation-oriented development. Now, transportation network companies, which you may know as Lyft and Uber and their competitors, they offer one solution. But many people have factors that limit their access to those kinds of ride-sharing platforms. The primary factor, of course, is cold hard cash, whether or not you have enough to be able to afford a Lyft or an Uber to get you where you need to go. Many other accessibility factors come into play. Some as basic as whether or not you can afford a smartphone and if you have a good data plan that will allow you to send and receive information quickly. Another is if you can see well enough to use an app on your phone that may not be designed with the visually impaired in mind. Another is if you have the manual dexterity to type in the address of where you want to get to. Another is if you have the familiarity with technology to understand how to use a ride-sharing app. For those who aren't digital natives, this might not be intuitive at all. One of my biggest questions about the future 
is how we can include underserved communities in our grand visions when we use new tools to fix old, broken systems within urban design, strategic economic development, social planning. When we look at the arc of history, class disparity comes up again and again and again as a thorn in the side of our biggest aspirations. So today I'd love to introduce you to my friend Eric Johnson, who's going to be talking to us about equitable transportation and a unique solution for ride-sharing that's outside of the commercial model of transportation network providers. Eric is a consultant for cities and counties. He helps them understand how to incorporate ride-sharing solutions into their communities. He's also the founder of San Francisco Casual Carpool. Growing up in California, there's so many people here and so many people on the roads because highways are how you get from A to B. And I spent a lot of time in my childhood being driven places and not thinking anything of it, but moving into a city and understanding, hey, there's more efficient ways for you to get where you want to go and different ways that a city or a society could be designed so that you spend less time traveling and more time in the place you want to be made me think back on, all right, how can we maybe reevaluate how you do this common everyday task of getting from A to B? I noticed, hey, there's a carpool lane, but it's it's never fully utilized. And I often wished, I wish I had two friends that I could get into the carpool lane so I could get across this bridge in half the time. So that's a dynamic unique to urban areas where there's lots of congestion. I think it's a problem that more and more cities are going to face over time as people want to have the benefits of maybe space out in suburban areas, but have the benefits of a job or the connections to certain opportunities that a city offers. So I think this is a problem that more and more regions will face. There's new opportunities to redesign how humans interact and get into a mode of transportation to get where they want to go. Maybe in practice, what that means is me getting into a car with someone else and carpooling with them is a better utilization of the space in the car and the space in the highway. And not only do I benefit from that mutually beneficial interaction with the person I'm doing the rideshare with, but also other folks on the highway that aren't necessarily carpooling benefit from this as well, because I'm not in front of them, slowing them down from where they need to go. Society is going to find more opportunities to do this and They need kind of help navigating the dynamics that humans find awkward on their own. There's a system that exists already that does that, that offers the benefit of a more consistent commute. And depending on how you want to participate, more flexibility or cost savings to complete that commute. And that system or thing is called casual carpool. Casual carpool is a informal network of riders and drivers that share the benefit of using the carpool lane in the Bay Bridge, which connects Oakland and San Francisco, to get to work faster. There's two dozen approximately pickup locations in the East Bay from almost near Sacramento all the way down to the southern part of Oakland and Alameda. And at these locations, riders will form lines and wait for drivers to pull up to the curb. They'll get into the car, assuming they 
feel it's a person they can trust and the car looks reasonable. And they'll share this ride from their origin in the East Bay to a central terminal spot in San Francisco. The value of using the system is a more consistent, less congested commute, primarily created by this advantage that the carpool lane on the Bay Bridge offers. So they have a three-person minimum to use the carpool lane, and there's reduced tolls, but the main value is the time savings of not waiting in line at this very congested point in the commute. And you can save approximately 20 to 30 minutes on your commute, which is really significant. If you can save even a little bit of time doing this thing that you do every day over the course of your life, that's a a lot of time that's really meaningful to people. One of the really interesting things about casual carpool is there's no central organizing body or authority. It's not a startup that's trying to create or a new way of transportation. It's essentially taking a principle that we've was already established in carpooling and making it easier for people to do in a more ad hoc manner, as opposed to having a established carpool with coworkers where you need to depend on a individual or group of individuals to coordinate and have a set time that you meet five days a week or have to coordinate that specific time every time you want to participate in the carpool. This offers a more flexible way for participants to get the value of carpooling without the cost of coordinating that. And I think a lot of people find it really compelling to be able to do that. It was kind of a, in a lot of ways, precursor to this thing that's become commonplace in terms of ride shares. People know it today in the form of Uber and Lyft, where you're getting in the car effectively with a stranger and exchanging value in some way. In the case of Uber and Lyft, it's the form of money. In the case of casual carpool, it's the time savings that you both benefit from and then the coordination cost of both showing up at this place. So they're not so dissimilar. There's a future for ride sharing that isn't necessarily you paying someone to drive you and more collaborative in that you and someone else are getting in the car with maybe someone else you don't know. And in doing so, you are both benefiting yourself, but also benefiting society. As we get new forms of transportation, necessarily, I think you will be sharing a unfamiliar space, whether it's a car or a high-speed rail or train or a, we're not there yet, but plane or helicopter or some crazy, fun, different way for you to get from A to B, you're going to be sharing that space with someone else. One of the values that I see in systems like casual carpool is that it doesn't necessarily take money or a transaction to participate in it. If you want to participate, sometimes all that you need to do is participate transportation planning authorities are starting to understand that there's creative ways for them to enable mass movements of people, i.e. like commutes. And they don't necessarily care who can pay more to get from A to B. They just want to enable citizens. One of the beautiful things about casual carpool is that you don't need technology to participate in it. Unlike Lyft and Uber, you don't need to open up your phone and open an app and request a ride and wait for your driver to show up. You can show up to the location that you know pickups start at and usually within five-ish minutes during commute hours, get a ride into San Francisco. And that's really cool because it's this 
futuristic way that people are collaborating to get where they need to go that's not necessarily enabled by or required to depend on technology and smartphones. Houston, all of it was started organically in response to some very dramatic event. So in the Bay Area, it was a combination of a gas crisis in the 70s and a BART strike that left people with no other option than to effectively advertise that, hey, I want to go somewhere. Do you also want to go there? Let's go there together. And it's hard to replicate if you're a transportation planner. Your region may not necessarily have all of the dynamics in place that create enough incentives for people to want to participate in this. Now, that's not to say that it's possible to get there. I think it's just you have to be very careful about understanding how does your city or region want to create the right incentives for people to participate in this. And in some cases, it may not be necessary or possible to design the right system so that there's enough benefit to participate in this collaborative form of carpooling. That's maybe okay. Casual carpool is not necessarily a system that belongs everywhere. I think it's a system that works great when there's a very dense urban hub and places that people live in the surrounding area and then very specific common commute paths that they follow on the way to get there. I love the idea of being able to get more out of the things that you already have. And what's really cool about casual carpool is there are, let's say there's 100 cars on the road in a very simple example. If there are 100 drivers, you're only moving 100 people at a time. But if there's, let's say, four or five seats per car, the total opportunity is four or 500 seats for people to move down the highway. So that's really cool to me because it's so much more cost-effective to engineer the social dynamics of encourage someone to get in the car with someone else and find out what is the dynamic that you want to play off of to incentivize both parties to participate, be it money, but often time savings. And that is, I think, the long-term solution as opposed to the hundreds of millions of dollars that it costs to build another lane of highway per mile that really only creates more incentive to, in the short term, get in your car and drive to where you're going. And so the future is either we have 100 lane highways or we are figuring out ways to more efficiently put people in cars or trains or whatever mode of transportation comes in the future. 
I really enjoy the problem of helping people get where they want to go more efficiently because it is optimizing one of the most valuable resources that I think you have, and that's your time because that's finite. The more time I spend in my day-to-day job, the more I learn about opportunities to make this more efficient. And that's kind of a exciting frontier in terms of how can we, as a society, generate less waste and get more out of the things that we already have. Because at the end of the day, there's a finite number of amount of resources that we have as the planet. And for our own survival, we're going to have to figure out ways to more efficiently use those. And without that, time doesn't matter. If you've got all the free time in the world, but it costs so much to buy certain resources, then it's not going to matter. Often their concerns are, I'm getting in the car with a stranger. That feels really weird. But whether you realize it or not, you're already getting into vehicles with strangers more than you realize in the form of getting on a train where you can't see the conductor and you don't know anyone else in the train to getting in a taxi cab or a, if you use it, Lyft or Uber. Or if you more loosely think about it, anytime you get on the highway, you feel in control of the car or the vehicle that you're in, but really you are sharing this commute with other people on the highway. You're putting your safety in their hands. I like to tell people that even though you're getting into the car with a stranger, casual carpool doesn't have to be strange. In the future, participating in things with people you don't know and bridging this experience of, I don't know you to, I trust you, will happen a lot faster. I imagine a work day where you wake up and don't necessarily need to plan how you're getting to work. Ignore the weather, ignore traffic conditions and construction that's happening on your street or highway. You will be able to walk out your door and the most efficient way for you to get to work will present itself. Bike or walk or take a train or jump in a car. It just happens. And it seems crazy to think about, but like without even thinking, imagine stepping out your door, spending your time thinking about the things you want to for however long it takes for your physical body to get from A to B. And the next step you take is at the place that you want to be. You look for more engaging ways to utilize your potential. And that's how I personally like to see all this extra time looking for potential. Eric, I think that you are a gentleman and a scholar. I'm very happy to have you on the show. I'm honored to have been a guest, so thank you very much, Jenny. To see more of Eric's work, check out sfcasualcarpool.com. If you're interested in learning more about equitable transportation, I also encourage you to check out livingcities.org. Living Cities is one of the best organizations I know that's working on class disparity. If you sign up for their newsletter, you'll find all kinds of ways to get involved. You can write to your regional planning authority and tell them that you'd like them to prioritize equitable transportation design in their plans. You can call or write to your county and ask the same. And of course, if you want to get the big guns involved and pull off a massive statewide effort, you're probably going to need federal funding. So you can also write to your Congress members and ask them to negotiate for broader long-term transportation investments. Although, 
to be honest, <laughs> they're so underwater. I can't promise they'll have time to get back to you. I don't know if you heard, but the recent budget bill was so unwieldy that it would be physically impossible for a human to read through all its content in the time between the, the final version delivered for review and when it was passed. You would need to read three or four times as quickly as the world's best speed reader in order to actually read it one time all the way through, much less comprehend it. So <laughs> all I can say about that is act locally. The future is starting from where we are. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, I hope you'll consider checking us out on patreon.com. Much like your favorite public radio station, we survive on the support of a couple sponsors and our listeners who enjoy what we do. On Patreon, you can chip in a couple of dollars a month and help sustain Future Prairie. Your support will go directly to the production of our content. Patrons get first dibs on events, behind the scenes sneak peeks, secret shop sales, discounts to community partners, and hot futurist music playlists from our in-house DJ. <laughs> Please consider becoming a patron today. It's patreon.com forward slash future prairie. That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed. Our music was mixed and produced by DJ X, Carlisa X. She's a femme Afro house DJ based in New Orleans. She's a member of our creative collective and the weekly dance parties that she helps host were recently written up on Noisy and Vice. Congrats, Carlisa. You're so cool. <laughs> you can hear a selection of her work at soundcloud.com forward slash X Carlisa X.